The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got themselves into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, Amen. I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. Why are you here today? This is the issue around which our gospel reading turns. Why are you here? Notice how the crowd comes seeking Jesus and they ask him a question. And Jesus doesn't bother to give them the answer that they're looking for. He looks at them and says, essentially, you're not here for the right reason. What a challenging response that is. Because we like to live on the obvious and easy level, don't we? Why are we here? Well, duds, mass, I'm here for that. I'm here for Jesus. So were they. So were they. They came because they were looking for Jesus. And on getting to Jesus, Jesus basically says, why are you really here? You moved, you crossed a great distance to come 
to be with me. But why are you here? It's not enough to say I'm here for Jesus. What an interesting issue that is. Because when we start unpacking what it is that brings us, it could be as basic as, well, the mass intention is for a family member. It can be because I'm struggling and I need help. It can be because I'm in search of healing. It can be because I really am not sure why I'm here, but I think I need to be. It could be, well, I'm here to receive Holy Communion. And yet even there, the issue is, you know, and imagine that. As you came forward out of the bench at the moment of receiving Holy Communion, and you come forward, and at that moment, even as the priest says to you, the body of Christ, you hear in your heart Jesus saying, why are you here? What are you looking for? And imagine how surprised we would be at that moment. But also, let's be honest, for many of us, that might be a difficult thing to put into words. What are we doing here? But this teaching that the Lord is now giving us, what we call the Bread of Life discourse in chapter 6 of St. John's Gospel, turns on that very issue, and our readings hit this point like a drum from beginning to end today. And just so that we're clear, ordinarily in the second year of our three-year cycle for readings on Sunday, we read through the Gospel of Mark. That's what we've been doing all year long. But the Gospel of Mark is actually the shortest of the four Gospels. And because the Gospel is so much shorter than the others, there's a space in the division of the readings, which the church fills by going to St. John's Gospel. And it takes chapter 6 of St. John's Gospel, a marvelous, sustained teaching on the part of Jesus that he is the living bread sent from heaven. And so over the next several weeks, Jesus is going to unpack this very important, very central mystery for us. And then as we come to the end of August, we will resume our readings from St. Mark's Gospel. But every three years, in a sense, around the beginning of August, the church contemplates this mystery of the Lord as the bread of life for an entire month. That's how important it is. And so let's unpack this a little bit because there's a lot going on here. We hear an important observation in our reading from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians today, encouraging the believing community to stop living according to the standards of the world around them. And to underscore his point, he references two things that we all know too well, even if we never talk about it very much. One is the futility of our minds, the futility of our thinking, the way often our minds are spinning in directions that just aren't helpful, the way we fixate ourselves on that which isn't centrally important. The way we try and plan and control and decide everything for ourselves. 
And then St. Paul continues by speaking about our being seduced, enamored with deceitful desires. Those things that convince us we want them when they're not really good for us. Those things that captivate our hearts, captivate our feelings, wrap themselves around us as if they're the coils of a snake and hold us in thrall. And what happens is we end up desiring, chasing after that which is not good for us at the expense of laying aside that which really is. If you've been alive for more than 10 minutes, you've experienced this. How many times, I don't need a show of hands, it's not confession, but how many times and how many of us invested energy and time, perhaps even money, pursuing something only to get it and find out not just that it wasn't good, it was hurtful for us. That happens regularly in life. We get seduced by a desire that deceives us into thinking it's what we need, what we want, what will make us happy, only for us to expend ourselves in chasing it and to come up empty on the other side. So when Paul is saying, don't live like the world around you, the big part of what he's saying is don't keep falling into the trap that the world around you falls into and lives in all the time. There's another way to use your mind. And there's a deeper, more genuine desire within you. And it's this deeper, more genuine desire around which the bread of life teaching that Jesus gives us turns. And... It's a puzzling encounter that he has with those who have come all the way around the Sea of Galilee to find Jesus on the other side. And the Lord looks at them and says, you're here because of the miracle I worked the other day. You're here because of the way I multiplied those loaves and those fish and fed you. That's why you're here. What an interesting and sobering observance. Because the Lord says, you didn't see a sign, you simply saw a miracle. In other words, you missed the point. You're here because you reduced that miraculous gift that I gave you to something that satisfied your appetite of the moment and of the day. But then the day ended, and you were hungry again. And you've come to me because you want me to do that for you again. And Jesus says, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to do that for you every time you feel that hunger. What an important answer. And his importance is underscored by this miracle of the manna that we see in the first reading. Because what happened right before that complaining was God parted the Red Sea for Israel. Now just imagine this. 
The Hebrews were slaves. We all know the story, right? And God works 10 miraculous interventions to convince Pharaoh to free them. They witnessed God changing the natural order 10 times to bring them to freedom. And what happens when they get to the Red Sea and they hear Pharaoh's army coming after them? They're afraid that they're going to die because they think the God who moved heaven and earth literally to free them is going to abandon them right there. It's as if the 10 miracles never happened. And so they're grumbling, you brought us here to die. And what does God do? He splits the sea so that they can walk through with a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other and not get wet. And they cross the sea and then God closes the water and destroys Pharaoh's army. And what happens next? They're hungry. You brought us out to die of starvation in the desert. You see what's not happening here? You see what's not happening here? It's not that God hasn't done something. It's not that blessing, miraculous blessing, hasn't come to them. But they never believe in God. They always want another thing. And when they feel the empty hunger in their belly, the empty hunger of the world, they forget everything that was done for them. The futility of your mind. The deceitful desire. And so what do they say to Moses? We'd rather be slaves because then we ate. Think about that. When they were slaves, they didn't care that they had a full table in front of them. They wanted freedom. When they had freedom, they wanted to become slaves again because they were hungry and worried. Notice how fear and insecurity enslave the heart. And so it's always, you have to prove something to me. You have to give something to me. And Jesus looks at those who came to him, the descendants of those in the desert, and he sees that same tendency. Jesus just multiplied loaves to feed over 5,000 people the day before. What sign can you do for us? But our hearts are like that, if we're honest. We often come to God as if he's Santa Claus and we have our Christmas list. This is what I need you to do for me. We come to the Lord and say, Lord, please free me from the physical illness that I struggle with. But we don't want the Lord to touch that illness that lives inside of our hearts that really holds us down. We come to the Lord, and it's not wrong to seek his help. But it becomes almost an issue of what have you done for me lately? And so as Jesus speaks and the people are intrigued by what he says, they ask him, what must we do to do the work of God? In other words, how can we get what you want to give us? And notice his answer. This. Exactly this. Isn't it good to have just one thing? Exactly this is the work of God. Believe in the one that he sent. And on the one hand, that sounds so easy, but it's hard. Israel could never quite do that. 
At the Red Sea, they stopped believing in God because they were afraid and they needed to be reassured. And then when they were hungry, they were ready to become slaves again because they weren't believing in God. They were believing in the voice of the hunger in their bellies. Jesus is looking at those who've come to him. Are you here for me? Or are you here because of what you want from me? It's not that Jesus doesn't want to give us anything. But he wants us to be here for him. That in is very important. It's not believe the one he sent. It's believe in the one he sent. To believe in somebody is a significant thing. It requires confidence. It requires trust. It requires being certain, even though I don't have the evidence in front of my eyes that I'd like to see right now, that he really does love me and care for me. That's faith. Not belief about, belief in. They, they want to believe about Jesus. They want to believe that he can do things. They want to believe that he's available. They want to believe that the blessing they want will come. And in seeking those things, they're settling for less than the Lord has for them. Because the Lord doesn't want to simply feed the hunger of the belly. He wants to fill that aching void that exists in every human heart that can only be filled by God. I am the bread of life. Not manna that falls from the sky. Not bread that is multiplied in baskets. I am. And there's a hunger in you, Jesus is saying to all of us, that is a hunger for more than a healing, more than a blessing, more than a grace. Not that those things are bad, but there's a deeper hunger in you, a deeper desire in you. And I'm here for that. And I will satisfy that hunger, not with a blessing, but with myself. That's why we're here. Because that's why he's here. We come for various reasons. He comes for one reason. He is the bread of life. Our life. And that's how important your life and my life are, that he would sustain it in that great way. And how beautiful it is that we have more than just the memory of that. We have more than just the story, because in just a couple minutes, the reality is going to be here. But note the key. Believe in the one that he sent. He will be sent here to this altar. He will come freely. He, the living bread, come down from heaven who gives life to the world. And when you receive him today, do this. When you go back to your place. Because sometimes, you know, it's really funny. We go through all of this process of learning how to receive Holy Communion. And no one ever tells us what to do after we receive Holy Communion. So try this. When you go back to your place, 
Remember who it is you received. Remember that there's a deeper hunger in you than those things that try to stop you from going forward. And ask him not to give you the grace you most want or even the grace you most need, but turn to the Lord and say, Jesus, give me the grace you most want to give me today. And let him lead you. Amen.